0: So cryptocurrency was the underdog. It was unconventional. It was an alternative asset. And I'm like, it was just naturally gravitating towards it. And I'm like, why not just shift into something that actually is aligned with my values? And then I'm naturally gravitating towards and doing that in my free time and being uh, even more happy and inspired and fulfilled with what I'm doing. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get
1: some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Hey, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today the Knucklehead Steven. And I've got, I have a habit of doing this. I have people who come on the show, I, I get their names right. I ask them for it. They explain it to me, like how to say it correctly, and I screw it up anyway. So, Jeff. Seconder, correct. You got it right. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. All <laughs> right, Baron Bur- Capital, you are the CIO, the Chief Investment Officer, not the CIO, Chief Information Officer. Which, for those of you who are listening, who've listened to, not go ahead for for some time, you know that we have a, a variety of different C-suite folks uh, coming onto the show. So they talk about different topics, you know, uh, information security, how risky things are nowadays versus what they were 10, 15 years ago. Tools that folks can use in order to mitigate risk. So, Jeff, I appreciate you coming on. I think you might be actually the first chief investment officer that we've had on the show. So, we're honored to have you, my friend. Yeah, excited to be here. Well, when it comes to when it comes to at what a chief investment officer does in working with the the organizations and and things that you do, help our listeners understand how even just the non traditional path of uh, the investments that you work in. I don't want to necessarily pigeonhole you to solely crypto. But that was one of the things that caught my attention whenever I started, you know, wanting to have a conversation with you. There's there's people who feel as if that they can make a, a boatload of uh, of money in crypto by buying something like Shiba or Dogecoin, you know, a year, a year and a half ago, but they don't really understand the strategy behind investments. So there's prime opportunities to screw up and make mistakes. So I'm curious as a as somebody who's formalized a lot of these uh processes and administration into a a formalized investment fund (laughs) how did you get to first of all how did you get even into that space and how did you uh, develop some strategies that are that are sound in that particular asset
0: yeah so it goes way back to like after i got out of the phase when i was a little child just saying i want to be a superhero i was like hey i want to get as close to the money as possible because i actually had a mentor when i was growing up and my parents, they were entrepreneurs, they started businesses, 2008 happened, they got divorced and they moved, we moved from a really nice house to a much smaller apartment and then a much smaller house. And I saw what money brought on both sides. It brought, for me, at least it brought security and it brought like a feeling of, of less stress. And then when we didn't have money, it brought more stress, um, insecure, just overall, like a, more of a negative type of, of emotion connotation with not having money. So I knew I wanted to get after the money and I talked to uh, one of my you know, perceived mentors and he was like, hey, the closer you can get to the money, the better. So I'm, I went into school and I was saying, I wanna get as close to the money as possible. What is really close to it? Being a financial advisor. So I went through traditional education, got my finance degree, got out, worked for the largest bank inside the United States in asset management for about 19 months. I got licensed and then realized that that was not the thing that I wanted to pursue because it didn't align with my values. And in college, I actually bought cryptocurrency um, in 2013, which we can dive into the the reasoning uh, behind that. But it was just a hot topic in college. And uh, there was different like use cases for it back then relative to what it's being used for now. And so I kind of kept my finger on the pulse all the way up until 2016, 2017. Right. And then I saw the industry erupting. Saw all these different coins coming out. I started to understand blockchain technology, how it could potentially fit into real business and industries and just the global economy. And then uh, in 2019, decided to go go all in full time and started our first cryptocurrency hedge fund in 2019.
1: I appreciate that backstory, by the way. And I can empathize, as of you who are listening, how you were brought up fuels a lot of why we do things as we get older. Uh, sometimes it's because we want to replicate experiences that we had growing up or we want to never experience anything again uh, especially for our kids, of what of what we had to put up with, so uh, I can appreciate the the contrast there of having and having not, especially when it relates to uh, to money and the options and and quite frankly the feelings uh, that you get with both of those scenarios. So walk me through here real quick when it comes to pursuing that education, essentially being licensed as a traditional uh, financial advisor the country's largest uh i can't remember how you classified it but was it a was it a just bank okay so yeah it was jp morgan okay, one of the largest banks then so let's let's talk then real quick how did you deal with uh anyway any type of mental misunderstandings in terms of how how wealth was created or capitalism for that matter as you were going through school did you have to deal with having to uh, deal with any old paradigms that needed to be shifted yeah 100
0: i had a really screwed up belief system of of thinking that i had to to work and prove myself and work myself up a ladder in order to get to a place where i am when i'm 50 60 years old then i could start to decide what i wanted to do with my life and i switched that from i actually took like a some i am all about personal development so i took a lot of different courses read books and i figured out what my highest values were my highest values were to have freedom options and choices to do what i want with my time energy and resources I wanted to see impact on people. I wanted an uncapped earning potential. So I was sitting at the desk in a very traditional job. It was actually in the biggest corporate office behind the Pentagon in, in the United States. It's two million square feet, 12,000 employees. So I'm like, okay, well, this is not the right place that aligns with my my values. Not that the company's bad at all. I love the company, think it's a wonderful company and liked everyone that I was around, but it just didn't align with my values. And I've also was very, I've always been very unconventional and like the underdog. So cryptocurrency was the underdog. It was unconventional. It was an alternative asset. And I'm like, I, I, it was just naturally gravitating towards it. And I'm like, why not just shift into something that actually is aligned with my values? And then I'm naturally gravitating towards and doing that in my free time. And i finally made that decision to quit um, in 2018 and then started the funds in, in 2019. And it's just been explosive growth for obviously the businesses and funds that we run, but also just me personally as well, like developing as a human being and being uh, even more happy and inspired and fulfilled with what I'm doing. Good for you. Which is uh, you know, something I hope everyone
1: experiences. I appreciate that, um, that call out there because you just described what most folks, at least in our parents generation what they did is they sucked it up for lack of a better term right they just they just dealt with mm-hmm. the the unmet expectations and realized that there was responsibilities that they needed to take care of and they they didn't necessarily risk it on something like you know an asset class or an alternative invest alternative asset class like uh, like crypto for instance some of them did with real estate some of them did with other commodities or you know other natural resources so getting close to the money what did you experience or what did you observe there that started to reveal to you that didn't line up with your value set.
0: I mean, first of all, traditional finance is a super big dinosaur. Like I'm sitting there every time someone wants to like you know, submit a, an account transfer form to move assets and securities from the firm to another firm, they have to fax in the paperwork and oh, we didn't get the fax. So now we got to reach back out to them and say, "Hey, we didn't get your fax, so can you fax it again and um, and then that's 7 days to actually transfer the securities and do an acat transfer to another firm and and then I'm just sitting there thinking like oh well I can transfer 100 million dollars not that I had 100 million dollars back then but I could transfer 100 million in bitcoin in 20 minutes and have this all done so I'm thinking like this doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense cuz everything's built on these old rail, railways and being in that traditional spot it didn't align with how I I I always liked the underdog I liked alternatives I like things that were unconventional. So that didn't align. I was having to go into a place that during a specific time in a specific location, wearing specific clothes around specific individuals. So that didn't align with the freedom part. I had a capped income that didn't align there either. And then I wasn't seeing like really big impact in in people either. So pretty much everything I realized that it does not align with what I want to do. But I did learn some valuable things about like portfolio allocation and, and you know expected return and future value and all the things that you learn constructing an actual investment portfolio, uh, not just making one flat investment into, into one thing, which a lot of people never get that experience, which is crucial to have when you're going into trying to manage a, something like a hedge fund. It's really important to understand portfolio allocation and how to have the highest expected return. And that's exactly what I do um, in our funds now is I, I, I look at the overall, okay, what's the what fund are we launching to service what type of clients? And then with inside of that fund, what is the objectives of the fund? And then I design a portfolio allocation and strategy around those objectives to make sure that we're hitting those objectives. And then we adjust on an ongoing basis as the market changes and everything. So it's been really cool to see how it's
1: evolved. Well, it sounds like it. It sounds like the, the education, the, the traditional path, so to speak. You can use models that you and tools that you, were, you know, that you were taught traditionally and apply it just to something different.
0: Yeah, there's principles. Yeah, principles on how, how portfolios should be managed. And you can often do that. You can pull principles out of every you know, experience that you have in life. Whether it's a positive or negative, oftentimes you can pull a principle that you can live by for the rest of your life.
1: That's good information right there. You're not kidding. I like the the thought that you landed on. You talked about markets and markets changing. When it comes to inflation and if somebody is out there who happens to have 50 or 100 grand sitting around or in some type of retirement fund, what would the encouragement for somebody like you to be to say, hey, listen, we've got all of these factors right now that are contributing towards." quite frankly, just a kind of a negative economic environment, uh, traditionally, here's how you would mitigate risk if you were advising someone who with that, with that scenario.
0: Yeah, so there's no denying that crypto is incredibly important to have in your portfolio. The reason is because primarily it has been an uncorrelated to other assets. So when you're designing a portfolio, you want to have proper portfolio allocation and well diversified assets. And this has been confirmed over and over again from multiple studies from different institutions. And also, we're now seeing it with, you know, Ray Dalio buying Bitcoin, you know, Stanley Drunken Miller, all the top hedge funds and even banks are saying, hey, it's actually prudent to have one to three percent of your portfolio in crypto. And, you know, they all have different different answers. But the research and data shows that even if you look over the past um And this one I'm referencing is from 2019, but there's been multiple new ones as well that go further in depth. But to to stay uh, efficient on this explanation, I'll I'll reference this one, which was done by one of the biggest banks in the United States in 19. They looked back on the last uh, nine years and they said, hey, if I just put um, in a traditional portfolio, you put 60% in equities, 40% in bonds. If I were to take some of that allocation, just 5% and put it into Bitcoin, if you looked over the last nine years it actually would have doubled the return of the portfolio and it would have decreased the volatility of the portfolio. And that's because it is uncorrelated and it's had you know 140% compounded annual growth rate since inception, which is insane. So um, from a data standpoint, it's absolutely necessary to have exposure to it. And then you brought up inflation. It is even more incredibly important to understand what is contextually going on in the entire world right now is Number one, we're moving to a globalized economy. So if you hear people talking about globalization, that is happening right before your eyes. And the Internet has made that very possible uh, for that to take place. Now that that is happening, that, you know, crypto is going to fit into that because it's not a centralized currency and asset. And everyone can own it and transact very, very quickly because it's built on new railways, which is the blockchain technology, not on the old Swift banking system and all the things that take dinosaur years to get completed. Okay, so the understanding that and then the inflation aspect, there's multiple cryptocurrencies that are either deflationary or disinflationary. And you can actually be able to go and audit that blockchain and you, you know exactly how much of that cryptocurrency is released a day or how that supply is going to decrease over time. And no one will change that, that data. Like with Bitcoin, we know 450 Bitcoin are released a day. We know that it, all 21 million are going to be released on year 2140. And we're already at 19 million released of the supply. So there's only 2 million left over the next about 120 years, which is a very long time to only release 2 million of the coin. And we know for a fact, because that's programmed in the protocol. So it's really important to put some of your fiat currency and US dollars or whatever, that is now being infinitely printed into infinity. And it's now devaluing the value of that currency. It's really important to put that into assets that have a limited supply, and a strong demand. And there's no denying that Bitcoin has those things, and there's multiple other crypto assets that do as well.
1: Yeah, I, I don't want to dive into a rabbit hole of all the available options, right? So folks can go to a marketplace yeah. or they can essentially Google cryptocurrency and get educated. How do you delineate for somebody who's, let's just say they're, they're, they're evaluating uh, a a portfolio, a blend. They're looking at the index funds. They're looking at the returns, and they're going, "Hey, listen, how, what do I what do I do here, Jeff? How do I how do I decipher between misinformation, accurate information, and and working with an accredited investment fund manager similar to yourself?"
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of nonsense in crypto. I really believe ninety percent of crypto is complete nonsense, and it has like pretty much zero utility because a lot of the coins are just coming out of nowhere. It's similar to like the dot-com bubble every company that came out that had dot-com was massive or massive valuations majority of them won't exist you know 10 years from then but the ones that do are going to be extraordinarily valuable um such as you know amazon um and what is happening now the same thing with crypto anything that's a cryptocurrency has a really big valuation all of a sudden what we invest into is we are more fundamental long-term investors we like to look at the transactions and the data on the blockchain. So we look at developer activity, we look at uh number of wallets, we look at number of transactions, we look at total value locked on the blockchain, which is just the amount of total value that's within inside of that ecosystem. And we look at all those metrics and we we run different calculations relative to its market cap and the growth and a, v- a variety of things. And we do that on specifically on coins that are tied to these fast growing blockchains. Most of the tokens that you're looking at do not actually have a blockchain behind them. And the reason why we like to invest into the blockchain data through the coin is every transaction that's run on that blockchain uses that native coin for a transaction fee. So it gives the coin real utility. A lot of the coins don't actually have utility. And that's why we like to invest into the coins that are tied to that native blockchain so that we can look at the valuation based on the network effect of all of the the data on that blockchain evolving and growing. That makes sense. So we like to do that and we take a sizable position in Bitcoin and then we actively manage between those two different asset classes.
1: I appreciate you, you diving into strategy and thought process and adding some context there, but this is not quite a podcast, right? This is not how I built this with Guy Raz or some type of NPR, you know, the story brand podcast. So let's, let's dive real quick into the context of the show of a mistake and a screw up. Like when it comes to, Mm -hmm. when it comes to the education piece of learning all of these and the practical application of that education into execution, can you share a story of where you you kind of bloodied your nose or busted your lip a little bit when it comes to, you know, what it is that you're doing now and and how you got to where you're, where you're at, Jeff?
0: Yeah. So actually pretty deep story. So I really believe that and I love love the mission of this podcast and how you move in this direction because I think it brings a lot of inspiration to people. But I actually got injured in uh, high school football. I tore all the muscles in my ribs and that dried with blood on top of it and it was really painful for months. So they prescribed me um, opiates and I actually got um, addicted to those over about a six-year period all the way through college. That was part of the reason why I uh, actually got involved in crypto to begin with is I was the reason why I even heard about it was from this black marketplace that was using Bitcoin as a means for an exchange. So that was the first time that I even heard about Bitcoin that made me think about Bitcoin. And then from there, I started to evolve and like really uh, be in tune with the industry after I got over that entire issue, which spanned you know, all, all through my college career, which was a really tough thing that I went through. And it also screwed up my credit and, you know, financially put me in a really big hole and uh, was really, really tough time in my life. But the two things that I'm most proud of today is, you know, one company that I have now that's a financial consulting company and all the problems that I went through with my credit and my personal finances and all the massive hole that I dug myself into that spun into that consulting company that I now have today. And then the reason why I'm in cryptocurrency is because I got my feet wet in 13 and then monitored it as the whole industry was growing. So both of the two things that I value the most in my life, which are the businesses and the the 50 plus people I employ now, came from the problems that I was facing during the darkest time of my life. Um, So I really do believe that your problems can become your purpose if you allow them to. And sometimes it takes time for those things to play out. And when they do, everything clicks, and you realize, oh my gosh, those things were meant to be because now I have what I have now.
1: I appreciate you sharing that story. That's not a that's not an easy thing to, I'm sure, go back to even sharing that story w- minus some of the details. I, I it it makes it it kind of hits you right in the stomach, at least for me listening to it. So I appreciate you sharing that, Jeff. That also is fodder, in my particular opinion about why somebody would want to do business with you trust is the currency that we operate on especially here um you know whenever we're doing not just conversations but it's very it's very easy in today's disconnected world through uh you know two-dimensional screens in the internet to really quite frankly not necessarily know who you're going to be dealing with and audit you know, those relationships. So talk real quick and let's land it here. What's the best way then based off of what you shared for somebody to say, hey, you know what? Something he said resonated with me. What, what, what would somebody do in order to reach out to you or connect or potentially even invest in this fund that you're talking about?
0: Yeah, I, I'm super open and transparent about everything in my life. And that's how I've built the most uh, amount of relationships. And I think personally, you should share everything. And the people that don't like you, you don't work with them, that's fine. The people that really like you for who you are, that's great. You can build long-term relationships. So I share a lot of my daily life and what we do professionally online, uh, just on my social media. So my name is Jeff seconder A lot of my social media handles are just at Jeff seconder on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter are, are the main ones that I'm on. Also, obviously on LinkedIn. And then um, if you are accredited and you do want more of a hands-off approach to investing into cryptocurrency, you just want a financial statement sent to you every month and you just would prefer for Professionals to take care of that, and you are a accredited investor. We'll leave some. We have we're raising for our Boron Digital Fund right now, which is the fund that we're actively raising for that's um, 100% exposure to cryptocurrency. It uses a lot of the strategy that I mentioned uh, on this podcast, and there's some a link in the description below uh, this podcast if you want some more information on that.
1: Very good. All right. Well, he just told you. Exactly how to get in touch with him. Well, you know, the mission of the podcast is very simple. Uh, knucklehead, we know that you're you're going to get punched in the mouth. You're, you are going to have a situation in your life where your nose is going to start being bloodied, but you're not made of glass. You're human. You are designed for success. It's not that we're a, a philosophical, let's raise ourselves up and pick ourselves up by the bootstraps. But we just know that inevitably, when you go out there and take risks, things are going to go wrong. It's how you respond to them that determines What happens next? And so that's, that's quite frankly, the message that we like to share. Jeff, we appreciate you coming out and sharing your story as you've, you know, as you've kind of dove into, it doesn't, success doesn't happen without adversity. So if that's the type of format that you like, great, cool. There's a boatload of other episodes that you can plug into, uh, go back and listen to knucklehead. If you're not subscribed seriously, after you get done doing pushups for penance, then uh, go ahead and, and subscribe to the show. New episodes are coming at you every Tuesday. So Jeff, I appreciate you blocking some time and talking with us today. Anything else that you want to leave these folks with before we jam?
0: Uh, no, I mean, I think I love the mission of your podcast. If you guys are going through a, a problem, which I know a lot of you ha- listeners have faced adversity, there is uh, an absolutely an opportunity for you to transfer that into, uh, you know, becoming your purpose. So going through some stuff, keep hustling. And uh, I'm sure at some point the whole picture will come together and you'll realize why you had to go through a tough time in order to get to where you're at. So thanks so much, Stephen. I really appreciate you having me on here.
1: Yeah, man. Absolutely. All right, y'all, take care. Have a good rest of the day. We'll talk soon. See you.